How should we start? I don't know. I this is a hundred percent improv. So let's see. Uh, let's see how I can how I do. Okay. A movie about L.A. water wars earns 11 Oscar nominations. Welcome, everyone, to Rebooted. Rebooted, The podcast where I'm not even going to say what I usually say because I wrote that and I'm not writing anything. You can't make me do shit. It is a WGA Strike Edition episode of Rebooted where we are going to talk about the classic 1974 crime noir Chinatown. Uh, we're picking this movie because it is considered to be one of the greatest screenplays ever written, and we wanted to talk about this movie to honor the profession that Ken and I have both sought after for many, many years, achieved many, many things, and now is completely shut down due to a work, stru- work <laughs> stoppage strike. Yeah. I mean, of course, uh, who wrote this movie? Robert, Robert Town? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to celebrate him, but we also want to celebrate somebody else who was involved in this movie who has literally never done anything wrong, uh, is exceptional <laughs> at their job. Um, we just really want to celebrate great directors, and like Roman Polanski's really at the top, yeah, right? Like, yeah, we could totally yes. give him a round of applause. Yes, you know, the DGA is back at work, so you know what? <laughs> yes, let's celebrate them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we even have a clip? Do we have nothing prepared? No, we I did nothing. not do anything. We'll, we'll fix so, it in post. <laughs> should, <laughs> should we just try to reenact a scene from the movie from memory? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the last time you saw Mulray? Uh, my age, you uh, tend to forget. It was five days ago outside the Pig and Whistle and you had one hell of an argument. <clears throat> I got the pictures in my office, if that'll help you remember. What was the argument about? My daughter. What about her? Just find the girl, Mr. Gates. I happen to know Hollis was fond of her. I'd like to help her if I can. I had no idea you and Hollis were that fond of one another. Hollis Mulray made this city, and he made me a fortune. We were a lot closer than Evelyn realized. If you want to hire me, I still have to know what the argument was about. My daughter's a very jealous woman. I didn't want her to find out about the girl. How did you find out? I still got a few teeth left in my head and a few friends in town. Um, welcome, everyone, to Rebooted. I am Brian Flynn, and with me, as always, she's my co-host, she's my friend, she's my co-host, she's my friend, she's my co-host and my friend, Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? We were just talking about this. And things are Things are crazy, right? <laughs> things are crazy. <laughs> Kenna and I are both WGA members currently... Mm-hmm on strike um and it is i think it's like week six i honestly have yeah. lost all sense of time and and space and um we were kind of getting into the, the the darkness of being on this side of the picket line is uh kind of existentially mm-hmm. uh messed up how have you been well, I haven't, as you guys, because all of our loyal listeners know, I uh, am in Kentucky 
for the foreseeable future. Um, and so I have not picketed at all. And uh, except, you know, in my own way, I have it's not here because I'm not at my house, but I have like a little WGA strike thing that sits on my desk. But I, uh, OK, because I was going to ask, there's straight up a drum kit behind you. And I was like, <laughs> I was going to I wanted to make sure I, I asked on the pot. Are you OK? Are you in let a me, band? Let me lay this down for you right now. I'm house sitting as like a side gig. Um, oh. and so I'm, this, these are all the ways I'm making money that are not writing. I'm house sitting. So there might be a cat that pops up who knows where they are ever. Um, I also work at a bakery, um, which I love and I work at, I am hosting trivia one night a week at this like Mexican restaurant. And then I am also working at this place in Kentucky, um, that is, I mean, it's called the Kentucky Castle. It's literally just a castle. Mitch McConnell's and- house. Mitch McConnell's house. <laughs> Here. I am serving Lord McConnell. No, it's <laughs> it's like just, it's a hotel, it's a restaurant, it's a spa, it's a farm, but it's a castle in the middle of Kentucky. And so I, wow. yeah, I am also working at the Kentucky Castle as a host. And so I am doing so many side jobs that's how my life is going so that's why i'm sitting in front of a drum kit that i can't play Um, that's amazing first of all kentucky castle does sound like a family fun restaurant and i would eat there in a heartbeat (laughs) what if kentucky Kentucky medieval times yes what if it was like kentucky medieval times which weirdly sort of exists because it's called dolly parton's stampede used to be called the dixie stampede and it was a civil war themed dinner theater like medieval times no where you pick around yes they just changed the name so it used to be like you would choose to be on the north side or the south side and you sat on either side and you played games to like see who won and they just changed it from dixie stampede to just stampede and now it's more about like just like fun southern themed things. Okay. So, so the- if you are ever in Gatlinburg, Tennessee or Branson, Missouri, you have to visit Dolly Parton's Stampede. So they got rid of the Civil War theme. They were like, maybe let's not stoke because it's fires weird. Of- it's really <laughs> <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> I would hope that like more and more people would le- not really be like, yeah, put me in the grays. Give me a uh, rebel gray me up. But, you know, that's not true. It was probably 50. It was probably less Union Blue, if I'm being honest. This place uh, is the Wild West. I'll tell you, yesterday I was driving and I saw <laughs> I texted my friend because I was like, I texted my friend that I used to work with at Blumhouse. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> I was an intern. I did nothing. Literally tried my hardest not to have to do coverage. But um, I texted her because there was somebody driving on the interstate, the freeway, if you live in California, who had a purge. It, their license plate just said purge. <laughs> and there was like an American flag in the corner of it. But also they were driving a Dodge Charger. And I was like, one of these things on it uh, on its own, maybe not scary. All of these things together, I'm terrified. Like, I think yeah. this person missed the point of all of these movies. Like, I think there's someone who believes in the purge somewhere yes. 
in central Kentucky. Like they're spouting it off as like a good political point of view. Like it, it, it to them is like, no, this is a good idea. This is, this is what the country needs yeah. is one day where we get to just do all the horrible, horrible <laughs> shit that I've been thinking of my whole I life. Murder. I want to murder. <laughs> Oh man, I yeah. uh, I would like it's to, I, west out here. But how is it I, going in California? California is uh, it feels like it's on fire. It's been gray forever. Honestly, it mm-hmm. it um, I'm sure people who have friends in California they won't shut the fuck up about the June gloom. It <laughs> won't go away. Um, if it, it it's honestly it's a huge bummer. I think the picketing. Plus the gloom has cast a seasonal depression that we are not, that we Mm -hmm. were not ready for. I think people are bummed out. Um, But overall it's okay. I mean, (laughs) uh, yeah, I guess we'll talk about, I mean, okay. So usually, okay, let's introduce this podcast in case there's some random human that's deciding this is the (laughs) best episode to jump right into. Um, Rebooted is a podcast where Ken and I are picking a classic Hollywood film and recasting it as if it was to be remade today. Now, we're kind of not, we're doing that, but we're kind of not doing that. We'll get into that. Um, And usually we talk about reboot news before, but I don't want to give any shine to these studios and whatever (laughs) stupid ass project that they got coming down a pipeline. Uh, Let's talk about the strike. The strike is going fairly well. I guess everyone who's interested has been caught up that um three of the six labor unions in the hollywood film industry have deals that um have expired or are expiring they're in the Mm -hmm. middle of negotiations yada yada the writers uh went on strike may 2nd they've been on strike since i mean it's yeah well over a month i think this week six um the DGA, however, has come to terms with the AMPTP, which is the collective bargaining organization of the studios. Mm-hmm. So the directors, uh, they get to go back to work. Their deal ends June 30th. I, with All signs point to them accepting the deal. Everything's going to keep moving for them. SAG-AFTRA is currently in negotiations and their deal also ends June 30th. Now, this is the, this is the one that's kind of like... We don't know which way it will go. Um, if the actors don't come to a deal by June 30th, they're set to join us on the picket lines probably the next day. And if mm. that happens, then a lot of this industry comes to a screeching halt. Um, you can't film anything without people in front of a camera. Uh, yeah. Everything besides maybe animation, but even then, like voice acting mm. gets stopped, commercial acting stops. Um, and I got to say, like a lot of uh, actors have been on. The, I would say it's been some days 50-50 SAG to WGA. I think the actors mm-hmm. are, uh, they're pumped to fight. But I don't know if that's a signal that a deal isn't going to get done. I'm I'm a bit of a cynic and I think the, they'll get a deal done. But um, right now for the writers, it's just sort of we're just waiting and walking yeah. and uh, just trying to uh, call attention to why, why we're doing this sort of stuff. So it's been, um, I and always why say, are we, why are we doing this stuff? I think uh, this is a great opportunity to see 
Because I think there are people who like they support the idea of writers who make their things making a decent wage. But also there's a good chance that people in America feel disconnected from. Sure. I always like Hollywood elite. So like, let's talk a little bit about like, like, what are we, what are we asking for? What is the point of doing something like this and taking away all your precious, precious late night shows? (laughs) <clears throat> I I like to explain it. I've had to explain this to so many people. Like I, I've had to mm-hmm. go to weddings and people <laughs> are just like, I don't know what, like I I'm for it, but like, I don't know what really what it is. <clears throat> so I break it down in like short term, midterm, long term, short term. Uh, we uh, it's money. We we're, mm-hmm. we haven't been getting paid nearly as much as we should be for our labor in terms of, um, hourly compensation, script compensation, and sort of trying to keep up with, you know, that ever-growing inflation problem in, in the country. The midterm, there's also, um, you know, a problem with something called mini rooms, which is this uh, thing that studios like to hire writers to do, which is basically, it, it's more of a television problem than a feature problem, but... Um, mm-hmm breaking a television show in half the time and almost a third of the pay that you normally would if you would to green light a TV show and give them the full sort of uh, runway to, to make that show. It's yeah. sort of like an incubator, but you're still being demanded to do the same amount of work as a regular television show. Also, because of these mini rooms and because of certain or I would say lack of uh, guarantees on actual productions, the latter to ascend in the screenwriting business is has eroded. And what I mean by that is like, um, even on a normal TV show, um, in the past, writers would be on before production, they'd be on during production, mm-hmm. they'd stay on through editorial and post and and the job basically became sort of a year-round job and you'd be able to earn enough money to last you through the year and even on the off year you would have enough to kind of coast until the the show came back or until you found another show that is completely gone and the mini room is making it you know worse there's no guarantee that if you work in a mini room and a show gets picked up that you get brought back there's no guarantee that there's no security basically and there's there's no ladder for writers, especially writers at our level, to mm-hmm. move up, um, to get to that producing level, to get to that show running level. And because of that, <clears throat> you know, everyone sort of seems to be sort of stuck in these yeah. in these positions. And so we're trying to argue for guarantees that allow for people for allow for that mobility and for those earnings to increase because um it's just been sort of stagnant. One of the things is, you know, the, this industry is sort of bending us towards a gig economy, you know, like, yeah. and I'll, I'll talk about AI in a second. Um, well, we'll talk about it now. The last thing in the long term is, is AI, you know, mm-hmm. the, the rise of the machine, so to speak, to just write scripts for producers without the human element, which I, you know, don't want to get too deep into, but we're trying to make sure that we have control over that realm, much like we had fought for control over the internet mm-hmm. and cable television and late night television um, and all the things that the guild has successfully arbitrated for 
Um, yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, the bigger picture is trying not to turn screenwriting into a gig economy, which I do think if, you know, some of these companies had their, their way, they would basically say like, okay, we're going to have AI write a hundred synopsises for shows. Mm -hmm. We're going to put it on an app and you, the writer log into the app and select one of these things. And we'll pay you, we'll pay you a thousand dollars to write, uh, you know, this spec script or this feature script. And then, you know, who's going to want to do that? No one, no one wants to do that. Um, what we do is hard and, and we deserve to be paid fairly. Yeah. And I think like, we've all seen pieces of, I mean, we played, we've even played with around with chat GPT, but like, we've all seen how closely AI has been able to mimic some like human behaviors or in a way that feels like a little impressive to see, or maybe even a little scary, and I think it's the concerning thing is how flippantly um, corporations have been like, why are you worried about that? When realistically, we know that if there's a way to make money off of it, you will do that. And so as soon as it becomes as close to human-like as possible, it will replace the more expensive method of having a human being actually put like heart soul emotion like actual brain power into something it will happen like it it's it's been very interesting to see the response of the studios who are like this isn't that big of a deal when truly we all know that the first person to be like a movie written totally by ai like they're going to do that and so things just we just know this as human beings like things are not the same when a computer makes it and yeah and so it's important to value like the human to value what humans bring into not just like the actual writing but just the process and like how like you said giving giving us a livable wage and providing the time and the space and the legal uh outline to make things in a reasonable amount of time that good things will be produced and that it's not just about making something as cheaply as possible. It's about creating maybe fewer things in, uh, in actual quality and allowing people to go through that creative process and be able to survive off of that creative process. Yeah. I, I uh, listening to a lot of other screenwriting uh, and entertainment podcasts talking about this it's currently ai had does not have the capability to write empathetic human Mm -hmm. scenes um what it does is it scrapes the internet for all other screenplay all other work i honestly think it uses mostly reddit (laughs) because (laughs) what it generates are things that i feel like i would find on reddit you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like people who have haven't had to sit and learn this craft of storytelling. Um, I, I, I'm not saying it would never get there, but what I find really funny and uh, Dana and I, we were on a road trip and she just, we were talking about this and she went into chat GPT and she asked chat GPT, what would make it a good, why it would be a good screenwriter, why the AI would be a, a, mm-hmm. a good at writing movies. And it gave her like four answers. And the first three answers were uh, something to the effect of like, it's good at 
giving notes. It's good at um, like helping generate like infinite ideas and it knows like how to like market a movie or it, it understands like what would be popular. And I was just like, that's a producer. Yeah. <laughs> that's what a producer does. And yeah. then the, the fourth thing was like, oh, we can also help be actors to help you write scenes. And I'm like, well, that's an actor. Mm-hmm. So the reasons it currently thinks it would be a good writer is because it's a producer, which is so fucking funny to me. The irony that these producers think ChatGPT is going to be the next great artificial screenwriter when in reality, it's really just another producer. Like, I, I, they think they're going to wield this monster, this creature mm-hmm. against us. And it's just like, you're, I, I think, I, maybe because as, you know, I'm angry as a, you know, union member. And, but I honestly am like, you can't be that blind, right? Like, that producers can't sit there and be like, oh, well, we're safe. Yeah. You know, we're, we can control it, but, you know, the writers have no, like, you, you know, they're, they're like basically the dinosaurs. When in reality, I feel like some, what it's going to be if we're not, if we're not diligent and we don't really fight is that it's going to be some tech bro who does all this like data, uh, you know, the, who just like runs the algorithm on what a movie should be, mm-hmm. hypes the prompt into the AI and then just is like this is this good enough and then the people who are reading it are like this is garbage give it to a human writer and then we're just locked into whatever garbage you know an algorithm and a and an ai told us how it should be and that's like that's the i mean that's the death of collaboration you know what i mean in art mm-hmm. and yeah <clears throat> even though i would rather receive notes from ai than a human, honestly. <laughs> How much easier is it to tell to tell a computer? You know what? That's that's a really interesting thought, and I'm gonna think about that, and I'm just gonna see how that might work, <laughs> um, and we'll see what comes out of that. They don't care. You can't unplug a producer. Yeah, <laughs> you can't exit out of the the tab of a producer. No, you're right. I 100% agree. I would much rather listen to an AI analyze my script and tell me what what went wrong with it and then just me ignoring it than yep. having to sit there and listen to, you know. And I don't mean to bash on all producers. And I, I have great friends that are producers, but it's just like, I don't know. Writers are sensitive people. And this whole, <laughs> this whole thing is the, the idea that you can just like replace us with a robot. Here's another thing about the strike and large. Like I do, I do think it's, um, has done a really good job pointing out to other people in different labor unions and in different industries, um, the necess- the the necessity to fight for pay, uh, you know, increases and to start thinking about AI across the board. Um, I ran into a guy at again at a wedding, and we were talking about this, and I mentioned the AI stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, like, this feels like the first labor movement to address it." And he was like, oh, yeah, for sure. And I, and then I was like, so what do you what do you do? And he was like, oh, I'm a CPA. And I'm like, so you so you're scared, too. And he was like, oh, no, not me. 
I'm fine. <laughs> I was like, what? what? And he started talking like the guy from Office Space who was like, oh, I'm the middleman. I take the things from the customer to the client. You know, I have the personal relationship between the two people. And but I was also, like, there are literally programs that are attempting to become more sophisticated at doing what you do so that people don't have to pay the money that they pay to a professional. Like exactly. I w he was like, no, I'm like a third party. I'm a third party guy. I was like, let me tell you something. I believe you. And I'm sure you know <laughs> this business better than I do. But if you're calling yourself the third party, I a hundred percent guarantee the first and second party are going to yeah. do everything in their power to get rid of the third party. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It's another example of why being a millennial kind of sucks. <laughs> like mm -hmm. being, being on the 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 vanguard of this fight is just sort of feels like another here. Here's another thing I have to fucking deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure uh, like as soon as this ends, we're going to go right into like election 2024. <laughs> and it's going to just. A hundred percent. Yeah. Fucking like. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyways, we're not here to be dour. Dower Debbie's or I don't know. Um, I think it'll be <laughs> fine. No, I think it'll be. I th I mean, I honestly, it'll work itself out. I don't think we're going to get everything that we want, but I definitely think we're going to win a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I guess just sort of keep an eye on SAG. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, it'll end and then we'll all get back to work and we'll be rebooting fucking every other movie. We'll be rebooting this podcast as a movie and uh, <laughs> you and I won't write it. <laughs> they'll give it to they'll give it to two other Somebody people. will actually get paid to do it and we'll be like, yeah. "Nah, okay. Well. One younger." Yeah. <laughs> uh all right. Should we talk about Chinatown? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, this is our quote-unquote reboot of Chinatown. Okay, go home. But in case you're interested, your husband was murdered. Somebody's been dumping thousands of tons of water from the city's reservoirs, and we're supposed to be in the middle of a drought. He found out about it, and he was killed. There's a waterlogged drunk in the morgue, involuntary manslaughter if anybody wants to take the trouble, which they don't. It seems like half the city is trying to cover it all up, which is fine by me. But Mrs. Mulray, I goddamn near lost my nose, and I like it. I like breathing through it. And I still think that you're hiding something. Okay, so I guess we should explain that when we say we have not done any like prep work for this we haven't done any quote-unquote writing i i mean i literally have not even read the trivia on imdb i didn't write notes i just watched the movie i didn't make picks but we thought it might be interesting to give a more holistic view as to what we put in on the outside to make this podcast happen um so we're going to, this might be messy. We actually have no idea what we're doing, but 
we're going to go through the process of figuring out who, and maybe we'll, maybe we should, I don't know if we should like pick separate people or try to agree on one person or um, just kind of see where, where the conversation takes us. I, uh, another thing we're doing is a lot of times when we thought think about these reboots is, okay, we have this classic movie uh, and we want to modernize it. We want to talk about it as, you know, with a lens of, of contemporary cinema uh we're not gonna do that because we're not gonna give out free ideas we're gonna talk about this movie as if it was to be remade today but absolutely zero story changes so uh yeah some of the ticky tack racism in it yeah that's staying uh some of the you know the story is exactly how it is like we're not going to scab on that and i think too like the interesting thing about us choosing a period piece because it it was in the 70s and it would be now a 30s detective noir mystery story sure like let's keep some of like some of the weird as it's written maybe a little soften it up a little bit but uh yeah there is going to be some weird racism within that time period that attributes to some story pieces so i also didn't mean that as like yeah we're keeping all the (laughs) (laughs) we're keeping the racism until you give us what we want i guess let's talk about this movie you've seen this movie before Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I had seen this movie before. I'm when I first watched this movie, I made the mistake of starting it at midnight. For some mm. reason, I was like, "I'll just put on a movie to go to sleep." We're in Chinatown. <laughs> Flash forward to two thirty in the morning. My, I'm like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" This is one of the. This is, I think, one of the best uh, crime mystery movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, uh, I, I don't think it's a book. I think it's sort of picked from. Let's find out, guys. This is what I do. I'm my, uh, um, <clears throat> let's see. In let's my normal see. life, uh, I sort of just Google it. Oh no! I Google. Oh, this the is interesting. Chinatown. It says in the trivia, screenwriter Robert Town was originally offered one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to write a screenplay for The Great Gatsby, but Town felt he couldn't do better than the F. Scott Fitzgerald novel and accepted twenty-five thousand dollars to write his own story instead, and that is Chinatown. Wow, he negotiated against himself. That's crazy. But it's cool because, like, this does pay homage to other you know, black and white noir stories, but it is, you know, an exceptional version of that. I think where like we are immersed in the mystery and we follow Jack Nicholson's character through all of these pieces, like nothing is, there's nothing happening that he knows about that we don't know about necessarily. Like we're in, we're in it with him and there's no like hokey kind of voiceover or, anything like that like it is it's just it's it's i don't want to say a better version but i think it is one of those uh you know speaking of ai just taking like a pattern and turning it into something i think there's a world where there's like this is just like a normal noir film but this is more like something that follows the pattern but breaks the rules in a way that creates something new that future generations are going to pull from to create like the next series of, of what like then breaks the rules of the things that 
Chinatown did that, you know, like it is yeah. a stop along that journey. Yeah, it it kind of reminds me of uh, the dearly departed HBO, or sorry, not HBO Max, of the dearly departed Max series, Perry Mason, where mm-hmm. it, it's it feels very much like it's borrowing from real life Los Angeles. Like it's borrowing yeah. from Mulholland and his weird water scandal um, while also adding, <clears throat> you know, that sort of genre. I, I'm just sort of reading this right here. According to Robert Town, both Carrie McWilliams, Southern California country and Island on the land, 1946 and a West magazine article called Raymond Chandler's LA inspired his original screenplay. So there's a lot of like sort of um, history. They're pulling from history, changing mm-hmm. up, some of the facts, writing their own original kind of true detective uh, thing. And uh, I think it works really well. I mean, it, it, I can only imagine, I, I think it's hard watching something so classic as this movie and being so blown away by it because, you know, it feels like when this came out, it was probably very revolutionary in its own way. And yeah. now we watch so much true crime and so much like new, like neo-noir stuff that it almost, you're, you're starting to feel like, oh, everything came from this thing, which mm-hmm. also came from probably a bunch of like, you know, classic noir and, and crime, like, it, it, it's cool to see sort of like the 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 rings on the cinema tree when you watch this movie, I guess, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. And I think um, you're right. I think to kind of kick us off, I think Perry Mason is a great place to start when we're looking for uh, actors, not just because it's set in a similar time and place, but because like the themes – like that is that is a natural i think connection that my brain made especially when it comes to like the realism and cuz like also there've been things that have come out recently like i don't know if you saw babylon during the um no okay i have time now <laughs> i don't i don't know if anybody's got the time but um that was one of those films that i think it takes place a little earlier than than this does but like there was so much about like the beginning of hollywood like every single scene was like look how crazy it was this isn't this the craziest thing you've ever seen like this is wild which i'm sure happened that there are extreme examples that make you go like oh my gosh like la used to be something different entirely like it was there were no rules whatever but i think this kind of story and what like something like perry mason like brings to light is something that's less trying to like shock you and more just trying to bring you into like the space of where you are yeah i um get you in it instead of making it seem like this like magical place that has all these like wild creatures it's just more like this is this this would have been normal life and it is not particularly glamorous or fun or beautiful yeah um it's set in a drought 
you know, so already like there's mm-hmm. something sick with Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's main protagonist is, you know, he's a he's a private eye, but like what he does is, you know, take photos of wives cheating on their husbands. Like, yeah, he exploits. <clears throat> I, I use I mean, not exploits, but it, he's sort of his clientele are desperate, you know, and he's mm-hmm. he's profiting off of that. And so everything kind of feels like very gray from the jump, which is is pretty cool. You got a hell of a way to make a living. Oh, and what do you do to make ends meet? Mortgage department, First National Bank. Tell me, did you foreclose on many families this week? We don't publish a record in the paper, I can tell you that. Neither do I. No, you have your press agent do it. Who is this bimbo, Barney? Is he a regular customer or what? Yeah, listen, pal, I make an honest living. People only come to me when they're in a desperate hey. situation. I help them out. I don't kick families out of their houses like you bums down at the bank, Jake. Jay, can I tell you about huh? the guy who... Maybe like to step down out of the barber chair. Maybe we go outside and discuss it. What do you think? Yeah, I guess thinking of Perry Mason, um, maybe just to segue into casting our first character, J.J. Uh, Giddis, or Jake Giddis, um... Man, uh, Matthew Reese would have been dope. (laughs) I agree. I think it's a great jumping off point because I love Matthew Reese. I'm sad Perry Mason is going to be no more. I think he deserves absolutely every good thing because he's so phenomenal to watch. And I think like the only thing that keeps me from being like, this is absolutely perfect is the fact that like this would be such a close because you know Perry Mason was like you know on their like mood board in the writer's room there was a Chinatown poster like Mm -hmm. so I don't know if I would be like okay Matthew Reese is he is perfect but I just don't know if I want to be like well same project same idea boom there you go yeah but then I think how old was Jack Nicholson when he made this movie let's Another very important part of casting a movie. <laughs> finding the age, which is also uh, so, 37. He was born in 40s. Is he my dad's age? 37. Yeah, 37. Yes. He's not um, my dad's age. <laughs> He's 86 now. Um, um yeah, I okay. So someone in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s, because they have to have served in he was a detective. Now he's not a detective. So he's like has to be a little bit older, a little bit jaded. I mean He's also, you know, this is also one of these movies that's really hard. Like Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, these are like true movie stars. You and I have had this conversation right. of like who is a movie star. Don't get me started. <laughs> and I know that like in the past, it's really um, not demoralizing, but deflating trying to replace mm-hmm. icons from a time where movie stars were, there's only, you know, a, hand, a dozen maybe at the time. And there was really a pipeline for movie stars to be made and Mm -hmm. uh, i don't think that pipeline exists anymore because it's like yeah there's too many people trying to be famous there's too many ways that you can get exposure it 
no one feels, <clears throat> excuse me, no one feels as grand anymore. So this part of the process is always hard because you're thinking like, okay, for me, I'm like, I want to, if we're doing Chinatown, we're doing like one of the best mm-hmm. movies ever made. Like, um, I want that movie star. So then you start going through the movie star Rolodex and you're like, I've seen these people so much that like. It really isn't like, this is how I would explain it. Like, I think we're familiar with the past in Hollywood where it was like studios bought actors and actors then produced what, you know, 20 movies with one studio and it became this thing where like the net like the movie didn't matter it was i'm going to see uh i don't know katherine hepburn like i'm going to see that person more than i'm going to see the movie and i think we operate in a place now where people burn so hot for like a second and then they have to take a break from that fame that we just don't have those long lasting. And also there's so many movies to be made. Like I think one of the great few last examples of a movie star that we had in like the late nineties, early two thousands is Will Smith. And I think he is one of those people that in the nineties and the early two thousands, you were like, I'm going to see a Will Smith movie. doesn't matter what he's doing. I'm going to go see him do that. Cause he draws me in. And I think we've sort of lost that thing because people are, one, going to TV a lot more frequently, and two, just mm-hmm. making so many weird movies that like we don't have those big blockbuster names anymore. And mm-hmm. I think that's okay, but it does make it difficult in cases like this to be like, well, who who has the presence of a Jack a young Jack Nicholson to be like the cool kind of callous jaded uh got like detective for private eye and you know i want to say that there's a version of like leonardo dicaprio that would have done this a few years ago yeah but now i think my mind goes to someone like ryan gosling maybe who i don't know if i would consider a movie star but who i think has the chops to do something like this in a very like like dark sexy cool like type of way i i agree it's like a mix of gosling from drive and gosling from nice guys yeah and uh you know and gosling from barbie (laughs) yeah it, it it that i i well as you were talking i i was thinking of like I, it's hard to think of an American actor to do this. Is Gosling Canadian? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Hey, I don't know why. It, honestly, America, we need to fucking <laughs> pick it up. Because Get I kept your shit kept, together, America. When you were talking about like you know that level of celebrity, I thought of two British actors. I thought of Fassbender, who's probably aged out of the role. Okay. Yeah, and, I think so. Maybe. And, and Robert Pattinson, who I think. Ooh, okay. Uh, I like this. Um, you know, in recent years, has done everything in his power to get the f- get as far away from the stink of Twilight as humanly mm-hmm. possible. 
and has done a really good job of doing a lot of weird character stuff like you know his brooding batman the sort of manic good time and even his i don't know if you watch the king with um fucking timothy oh i don't think i saw that the netflix movie yeah he plays the king of france and he's just doing like really weird stuff but it's interesting (laughs) to watch it's like it's i enjoy watching him do this stuff and i can't say the same thing for a lot of like american actors or even young Mm -hmm. actors I just also think it's hard. I don't think a lot of people get that opportunity to do sort of um, character to, to have the leeway to build a character in the way that I think Robert Pattinson had. But I I think think you and I are zeroing in on who this, the new Jake Giddis is, you know what I mean? Now I'm curious what the, cause is Gosling older than Pattinson or are they both kind of like mid 30 late 30s i think ryan's in his 40 42 did you just refer to him by his first name ryan yeah <laughs> i uh i'm gonna i'm you know a little oh okay new. robert pattinson is 37 on the dot oh oh look at that so i don't know what do we do do we settle on one do we just sort of say like you pick ryan i pick Ro- uh robert and we move on or do we who do you <laughs> Who do you feel who do you feel strongly about? Because I think I think we have narrowed it down to two, maybe not movie stars, but entirely capable actors who would kill this. And I think there's one that I feel more strongly about. I love first of all, I love Ryan Gosling and I loved him in those movies I mentioned. Like Nice Guys might be one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Pattinson, I just feel like I think Ryan looks too modern. Mm. Like done. He's done some period gangster stuff and it just always feels like. Oh, right. I forgot about gangster squad. Yeah, It feels like they're just wearing the wardrobe. Whereas I feel like Pattinson. I don't know. They're both good. I don't know how we choose. I think I'm leaning Pattinson. I think. Okay. I think that was like a snap when you mentioned him that I was like, ooh, yes. Like I can see, I think he has, you're right, the acting ability of Gosling with maybe a little more like- um, Edge. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's that's accurate. That's who, that's who I would settle on. <clears throat> okay. All right. Robert Pattinson. I like it. Okay. Um, so we move on to Evelyn Mulray, played by Faye Dunaway. Again, we're going to have, we're having the same problem. As uh, as we did with Jack Nicholson, I don't want to uh, bulldoze this, and but I, there was one actress that was just like her for okay. me. But I want to talk about it because okay, maybe uh, maybe so we'll many, land there. There's so many great people that could do this role. Um, I think okay, well okay, so now my brain's kind of spinning because <laughs> we're doing this live, but I feel like. Conventional thinking, mm-hmm. or if we asked ChatGPT to generate a list of, yeah. you know, they might say someone like Anna Taylor-Joy. Fine. Great. Yeah. For me, I felt like Jennifer Lawrence uh, was like at Faye Dunaway's level. Mm. Faye Dunaway is so striking in this movie. I, yeah. I like, I honestly don't know how to describe it. I don't even know how to approach 
I think I'm just picking pretty blondes maybe at this point. She is so, <laughs> so dynamic in this role of this mm-hmm. woman who is, um, you know, her, she's hired, she hires Jake to spy on her husband who she believes is having an affair with a younger woman. And when she does this, she sets Jake on this path to unravel what he thinks is one conspiracy. And it turns out it's like four other conspiracy. It's like, as soon as he solves the mystery of like, Oh yeah, your husband's having an affair with this woman. And I put it on the press. Suddenly your husband is found dead, drowned in Mm -hmm. the, in the aqueduct okay, well, now I'm hired to solve his murder, and now I'm finding out that all of these politicians are, like, stealing water from the city to do what? Oh, to to farm orange groves that they've been secretly buying. It's like it, he keeps finding another level of Pandora's yeah. box, all because Evelyn is hiding an ultimate truth, which is so disturbing <laughs> that you don't mm-hmm. even care about the fucking water anymore. You were jealous. You had a fight. He fell. He hit his head. It was an accident. But his girl is a witness. So you had to shut her up. You don't have the guts to harm her, but you got the money to keep her mouth shut. Yes or no? No! Who is she? And don't give me that crap about your sister because you don't have a sister. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the truth. She's my daughter. I said I want the truth. She's my sister. She's my daughter. My sister, my daughter. I said I want the truth. She's my sister and my daughter. My father and I... understand or is it too tough for you i mean i just thought it was such a brilliant performance and i was like ah i don't want to give this to just anybody so like right i mean i just thought especially because like no go on go on no i was just gonna say like i i i won an academy award winning Mm -hmm. i want someone who can bring it to this you know so I don't know. I don't know how to start. I mean, I'm thinking of all the the convention wheel of that movie star Rolodex again. It's like mm. uh, Scarlet, meh. Emma Stone, meh. Uh, yeah, like I think all those there? names would be like on a on a, a grid somewhere. But I don't like none of those people spark that like. Ooh, I know. Yeah, like because it is like you know the end scene not the end scene, but like when she finally has to like break down and tell Jake, like what is going on? Like that type of, that type of response where you're watching her and you're like, of course, like we don't know what to believe, but of course we don't because she's never said this out loud to anybody like this. Like her admitting like her breaking down and admitting this to him and telling the ultimate truth of what's happened with her and her dad, like that is special. You're right. That's so special. And it's not, there's not like a wide, I think you're vaguely on the right track with Jennifer Lawrence. 
I'm just I'm confused about kind of the direction she's going in. Um, With the what going in? I'm confused about the direction she's going in, just like career wise, because I know she took a break and um now there's like this comedy coming out (laughs) like it looks like a a teen comedy yeah i i just i'm i don't i don't know if she has that i also worry about her making this a little more american hustle Mm. Mm -hmm. i don't know why like very kind of manic housewife like that's a character for that movie obviously but i don't know why i like that that to me also poisoned the well of like well this this evelyn is very demure right like she's very kind of uh guarded until her and jake sort of fall into each other's uh romantic crosshairs but um she's also very like this character is also very much like a femme fatale in a way where Mm -hmm. it's like you think she's i think there was so many times where i'm just like even knowing what's going to happen, I was like, they do a really good job making you think that she's going to get him killed. Um, yeah. I'm going to throw a name out and it's going to sound like I am just thinking about the cast of one movie, but I promise I'm not. <laughs> okay. What about Elizabeth Debicki? Oh, also from Tenant. Yeah, I know she was in a movie with Robert Pattinson, but there was something about when you were talking about her being a sort of like femme fatale that I was like, who have I seen recently that I feel like had that like sort of tortured, mysterious kind of vibe. And I think between what we, which I didn't love the way her character was written in Tenet, but like her playing Princess Diana, like there's so much dimension that goes into that that I think I enjoyed, especially because she took on the most like paranoid version of her um, as a person that I, I don't know. I think there, I don't know if we want to think of somebody like her, that's maybe a little bigger. I don't know if she has, and I don't mean bigger physically. She is six. One. <laughs> let, let she's Elizabeth six, three. She's six, three. She's six, good, three. Holy good shit. Good job, girl. You just, you be tall. Don't let, do not wow. let a man stand on apple boxes in a scene with you. Um, I don't, I, I don't like know. I think I can see her. I can see her delivering this. I can see her too. Someone that popped in my head was Vanessa Kirby. Ooh, but, I like that too. Um, the, the Bicky to me, I mean, she kind of is doing exactly what we were describing in tenant, right? Like the kind of mm. caged bird kind of thing. Um, I, I wouldn't mind it. Uh, the only thing I do mind is it's just, once again, America, we have to start making movie stars. Like we are just giving <laughs> British everything. This is your fault, but you're right. They're both, <laughs> yeah, they're both English. I think, yeah, again, at the risk of just being like, I want this one person to play this one thing, which is funny because, um, Elizabeth Debicki was in Guardians of the Galaxy as well as, whatever that character the gold character was whatever <laughs> I don't remember I don't any know, yeah i have no idea <laughs> uh but so there is a certain like we know she has range so at the risk of being like let's just have her play the same character i don't think it would be exactly the same but i don't know i like her vibe for this 
I do too. It, I like it. I I like her because how do I say this without sounding like insulted? Like Faye Dunaway, <laughs> no one looks like Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Like in this world, if you were to run into seventy different female characters, which you don't, there's like three. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they would never look like Faye Dunaway. Is so it feels like very rarefied. And I think, yeah. uh, Elizabeth Dubicki to Becky. Um, I think because of her stat. Yeah. I think because she's really tall, it kind of does make it seem like she is kind of rarefied that she is this sort mm-hmm. of, um, a rare bird, I guess <clears throat> not to call a woman bird, a tall woman, Uh-oh. bird, but, um, Uh-oh. because she's big bird. No, um, <laughs> misogyny alert somebody clip it um uh, okay so is, i'm, I'm do ready we, yeah I, okay let's call it elizabeth tabicki hired hired <laughs> um she also has done like a lot of like crazy different things which is like you know she was in widows yeah she's in guardians mm-hmm. she's in uh you know the crown or not the crown yeah was she the crown was she diana yeah. in the crown yeah mm-hmm. i mean yeah 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 all right excellent um, this is yeah this is actually a lot easier when you and i just talk about it as opposed <laughs> to like us going away alone the number of times back. i wish i could i could like text you and i'm like i can't do this because this is what we're doing but i feel like when i'm thinking about it i always want to be like who's someone like this person <laughs> and that's all i that's all i want to be able to do so actually this makes things so much easier um, um should we okay. move on to Let's what move- might be one of the most insane performances in a movie i've ever yeah. seen <laughs> noah cross yeah. played by john houston i i like woke up in a flop sweat last night thinking about how his mouth moves in this movie is so disgusting <laughs> like i honestly was like that that's an acting choice right because like at the end okay so no uh, john houston plays noah cross um evelyn's father and uh, when you first meet him, he's this very big, grand, important city engineer. He's basically William Mulholland, mm-hmm. um, who, for those of you who don't know, basically designed LA's water system, and he stole it from some somewhere north. Basically, they they stole water from the valley and they flooded it to Los Angeles. But he he starts as just sort of like this big grand presence. But by the end, he's sort of this like mawing, handsy, like, I mean, you know, he's just like this sexual predator, abuser. And he, he's just like, it, it's just so well done to show his power and reach and how you can't escape this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's his own daughter hers <laughs> granddaughter uh, or or the city itself you know like everything is he controls the police he's like controls the water he control he controls so much of los angeles that it's just you know he is he is the representative of the sick system that jake is trying to uncover 
Um, when he gets shot at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It is wild. Like the uh, his daughter. What is her? Evelyn. Evelyn shoots him. And it's like you just like his reaction is if she had just like poked him with one finger real hard. He's just like, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing happens. I was like, you have you have metal inside you. Like, what is going on? It was wild. He is like. But it's also perfect because like the way that like that uh, Jack Nicholson has to keep like he corrects him a few times on how to say his name, but he like refuses. I'm a, I would say as a choice on purpose to mispronounce his to continue to mispronounce his name to claim that sort of like dominance over him it's just exceptional because you you kind of can't help but be like ah eh, he can't be that bad of a guy right even though he's doing things that make him kind of a jerk until you find out that he's done one of the worst things he could possibly ever do and then you're like oh okay so this has to be an extremely dynamic actor because he has to be imposing but also friendly enough with a twist where you're like i i don't know could he be the mastermind of this whole thing and then ultimately just a deviant like that's a lot of different things to be as someone playing that role how much you worth i have no idea how much do you want no, i just want to know what you're worth over 10 million oh my yes why are you doing it how much better can you eat? What can you buy that you can't already afford? The future, Mr. Gitz. The future. Now, where's the girl? I want the only daughter I've got left. You found out Evelyn was lost to me a long time ago. Who do you blame for that, her? I don't blame myself. See, Mr. Gitz, most people never have to face the fact that the right time and the right place, they're capable of everything. This could be like 90 different people. I. Someone just came to mind and I don't uh, know if this is the right direction or not, but I'm going to throw it out there because I think I've enjoyed watching him on succession as like kind of an asshole that like we agree with. And that person's James Cromwell. Oh, well, the only thing with James Cromwell is he plays this exact character in L.A. Confidential. Spoiler. Okay. <laughs> Just spoil L.A. Confidential. Okay. I have never seen L.A. Confidential. <laughs> that could have been helpful. <laughs> Oops. Okay. Um, so you should also watch L.A. Confidential. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. So we're going to take that as a jumping uh, off point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm so sorry. I like confidential. Is so what, what's a good choice? <laughs> it was a perfect choice. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious. I, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know what? Let's do this. Let's look up William Mulholland. What is William? Who does William Mulholland remind? Oh, okay. Ooh. He, I actually, yeah, I, I haven't seen a picture of him. He looks like, oh God, he actually reminds me of someone I can't. Hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, like Christopher okay. Plummer, you know, comes to mind. Isn't he dead? Um, 
He did die. <laughs> Wait, did he die? <laughs> I think. Did he die recently? He died. He died two years ago, Brian. <laughs> He's sort of giving uh, crazy Kenneth Branagh uh, character energy in these pictures that I Kenneth see. Kenneth Branagh also in Tenant. Ah, no! Stop. Yeah. You know who should play him? Um, John David Washington. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, this is how really where the rubber meets the road. Actors in their sixties, twenty twenty three. That's honestly how I do this. Yeah, a hundred percent. Same. Same. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Top five actors in their fifties. Uh, Hanks oh. Clooney. This is interesting. It does say that William Mulholland was born in uh, Ireland. He was born in Belfast on September 11th. But um, I feel like that that is an interesting uh, tidbit to be able to, you know, very rich man who maybe came, was maybe an immigrant. Like, I like this theme of... Yeah, I mean, James Cromwell in succession, or, you know, the Scots that became millionaires. Um, No, it's weird. Actors in their 60s don't look old to me. I feel like we need to go 70s. How how old was Uh, John during this? He was born in 1906. So that makes him 61. 68? Wait, 68? So he really wasn't old. He just, he does So we can look... find an actor in, 70, in his 70s. Ooh, wait a minute. Hang on. <gasps> Pierce Brosnan? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that is an interesting thought. I hate to just keep casting Europeans as Americans, but... Um, Does, oh, I'll say this do we think that Pierce Brosnan would come off as too smarmy from the get go I don't know possibly here's another one I'm going to throw out Kevin Costner Ugh. listen you know I love me some Kevin Costner I need to <laughs> I need to envision this Here's here's what I'll say for Kevin Costner. I think it's an interesting idea because I think he is very likable. And so mm-hmm. it would be I th- it would be one shocking to have the revelation that we find out at the end of the movie come out. And two, I think he could edge kind of the line of like are you being nice or are you like what what exactly are you like good old boy nice or are you actually just a genuinely like what's going on like him delivering that line of like are you sleeping with my daughter when he's speaking with which kind of like takes us all back because we're like whoa what do you care yeah like why why are you asking us this like that i feel like that has that has such a different kind of energy to like imagining someone kind of pointedly questioning that i think for me feels like one of the tests of like okay is whose mouth 
does that come out of where I'm like, wait a second, who is this guy? And I think maybe Hold Kevin up. Costner could fit that. I have another one. Okay. I have two. Oh, I'm just okay. looking at these lists. Oh, oh shit. Okay. Well, one was John Lithgow and then I realized he's already in Perry Mason. So that's probably, is uh, that weird? I do love John Lithgow though. Well, he, he, Lithgow the, really spoiler alert, good. he dies in the first season. So, <laughs> Um, the second one was Jeff Bridges. I don't, I think I'm a little, I'm a little Jeff Bridges out. (laughs) If that makes sense. I don't know if he, I think, I think John Lithgow is a very interesting choice. I think we all really like John Lithgow. And to have that reveal at the end, just it just oh, and you know what? He also played Rupert Murdoch, which I also feel like mm. is mm-hmm. you know really that's a good template. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm good with it. Let's let's okay. do it. Let's lock it in. John Lithgow, come on down. You are the third <laughs> contestant on The Price Is Right. You are creepy old Noah Cross. Also, Um, fun fact that I was just reading in the trivia, John Houston is Angelica Houston's father, and Angelica Houston and Jack Nicholson were engaged in a relationship during the filming of this movie, so it makes him asking, are you sleeping with my daughter? Especially weird. (laughs) Whoa. That's what? Because yes, he was. Also, Jack Nicholson later in his life found out that his sister was actually his mother. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of weird, a lot of weird, you know, life imitating fiction here. Mm hmm. Okay. So, who, the last choice we decided on was. Is it Detective Escobar? Lieutenant Escobar? Is that his... Lieutenant Lieutenant Detective Escobar? Yeah, I guess. Um, Played by Perry Lopez. I did think this was interesting that, like, he is uh, clearly a... I think we're supposed to assume Mexican man working in L.A. as a detective in the 30s. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that this opens things up to just like a new set of actors, but I just, I think that is something that like, I mean, he's not the main character, so we don't really dig into it, but it does add a little dimension to know that like more than anything, he's probably trying to just take whatever he can to get ahead. Um, so Okay. Are we safe to assume he's, well, he worked, he's worked with Jake. So they're probably around the same age. So we're looking for someone late thirties, early forties. Um, I'm going to throw out two of the most obvious names. Please do. And I hope one of them Hooray. is one, two, three, Pedro Pascal. You Oscar. didn't say it with me. Yeah. <laughs> Pedro and Oscar. Pedro and Oscar. Listen, 
who I, I don't I, mind either. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Don't I don't mind. I welcome them in my in my life as much as possible. Um, I did. Ha- I'm assuming you have seen the new Spider Verse movie. Yes. Uh, very interesting. Uh, reminding myself that the um, that. I don't know how to refer to them. Which Spider-Man? How do they call him? Twenty ninety nine. Spider people, but I think yeah. Oscar Isaac's Spider person I thought was very interesting for him because I'm like I just I yes we've seen him do villainous things and be darker, but like there was something very dark about it that I was like mm, I don't know. I just want you to be. He was- I want you to be nice. (laughs) (laughs) He was like zero chill towards Miles. He was like, oh my gosh. How old is Gael Garcia Bernal? Too old for it? Here's the, uh, he, uh, I bet he's in his 40s. 44, yeah. Gael Garcia Bernal, uh, who is a phenomenal actor, he doesn't read American to me. Is that weird to say? Like, Escobar to me seems like he grew up in L.A. I see what you're saying about, like, you want them to be, to seem like they're, it's not like a first generation. Well, maybe they're, they're not the immigrant. They're like first generation American. Yeah. You want them to have that, like, I, which I think is, is a, a good instinct. This broad hired you, not Evelyn Mulray. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody wanted to shake Mulray down. She hired you. That's how come you found out he was murdered. I heard it was an accident. Come on, kiddies. Who the hell do you think you're dealing with? A bunch of assholes? Mulray had salt water in his lungs. You were following him day and night. You saw who killed him. You even took pictures of it. It was Evelyn Mulray, and she's been paying you off like a slot machine ever since. You accusing me of extortion? Absolutely. I don't think I need a day or two. You're dumber than you think I think you are. Not only that, but I wouldn't extort a nickel from my worst enemy, Escobar. That's where I draw the line. Here's what I'll Here's a suggestion I'll make, which again is something we think about in the casting process. This movie is called Chinatown. And it is about... And the reason it's called Chinatown is because that's a formative event in Jake's life, like him having worked in Chinatown and seen the corruption that goes on there and then choosing like, so it's kind of vague. There's only like one scene that actually takes place in Chinatown. What if a more interesting connection to the themes of the movie is having like a Chinese American actor play his former partner who has that more connection of like, that was his like home base. And maybe he's like, so entrenched in the, you're 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 edging towards writing. You're edging towards rewriting. <laughs> I, I, I know, like this. I know. <laughs> I like this idea. Here's the thing, though. Trying not to change anything. The the way mo- this movie handles specifically Chinese American Chinese immigrants or Chinese Americans mm-hmm. is uh, complicated to say the least. It's um, it's bad. It's yeah, like Chinatown. <laughs> Chinatown just historically in LA has like a really messed up history to it. Mm -hmm. Like it used to be little Italy and then the cops chased everyone out and then they like deliberately gave it to Chinese immigrants and then police them. Mm. Like it's bad, but um, 
in this movie, yeah, it it's it they they're seen as servants. Yeah. Um, so I would love to go along with this idea of like there's a Chinese cop, right? Mm-hmm. I let me think about let me hold on. You're right. My You're right in the exploded. sense that I am I am rewriting and we're not doing that. But if we were yeah, I, if we were, <laughs> this would be. be a brilliant fucking idea. It also would kind of be interesting. Oh, this is writing to see <laughs> Jake's reaction to a Chinese his old Chinese partner making lieutenant over him. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. why he uh, it's writing. Anyways, um, I do want to say the Um, thing that this movie, I won't pitch an alternative. I'm just saying the thing that would have to change is like, there is a clue in this movie that is solely hinged on a racist stereotype that Asians can't pronounce R's. Yes. Or or they can't pronounce, yeah, they can't pronounce, they pronounce R's as L's Mm. or L's as R's or whatever it is. Uh, so it's it's tricky for me to be like okay well if we're not changing anything like how do we how do we address an asian actor in this role um right but right my point with that was that that would change a hundred percent um i don't know apparently joaquin phoenix is latino (laughs) 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 okay so why are we saying that he has to be in his 40s? Because he's, he's partners with Jake, right? Right. I think, like, the notion is they probably – they make it seem like they sort of came up together and now Jake's a PI and he's lieutenant. Right. Like, there, I think there is – there's not a ton of, like, explicit um, conflict there, but it is kind of – Can I ask an op- – can I just ask a question? Why couldn't this be Oscar Isaac? <laughs> I, I, my, I, like, is it just like, overexposure? Like, like, is it okay? My initial reaction is he's too famous to play this character that like really doesn't have a lot going on. But is he excellent and could fit perfectly into this space? Yes. Um, okay, this this could be something. Jay Hernandez. I was just going to say, who was the guy from Top Gun? That's Jay Hernandez, right? Oh, no. I think that was a different guy, but I think that was a younger oh. guy, but they do look similar. But Jay Hernandez is, if you're over the age of 50, you probably know him as the new Magnum PI on CBS. Oh, I feel super I actually think now. he is, <laughs> <laughs> which I actually think he is uh, good and interesting, but. I'm going to be honest. The only thing I really remember him from is Suicide Squad. So that's not like the best. Here's what I'll say about this. Do I think Jay Hernandez is like. Right for something like this. As the fact that like it would be a great opportunity for somebody who is not as like movie star, you know, movie famous as Oscar Isaac. Yes. Would I rather just see Oscar Isaac do almost anything over anybody else? One thousand percent. Is it? Are we playing our own game and making our own rules? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) 
I can, okay, so I think Jay Hernandez is is the is the lead horse right now. I keep thinking mm-hmm. like, okay, if if Oscar Isaac was to take this role, I would be so fucking upset that he wasn't in more. Like that sort of his Star Wars right. curse was like he was supposed to die in Star Wars, and then I I've, I've, it was either him or J.J. Abrams was like, eh, we got to keep fucking Oscar Isaac <laughs> in this trilogy. <laughs> like he's really our only movie star at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And like you see him in Dune, and he spoiler for Dune. As soon as he's dead, you're like, that's it. That's all we get. Like, mm-hmm. so now I'm like, if we put Oscar Isaac in this remake, we're gonna be bummed that he's only in like three three scenes. Whereas if it's Jay Hernandez, it's less, uh, you know. It's in like the role is in good hands, but we're not like <clears throat> we're not in that upset space of like, man, I wish I could have seen more of that guy. Yeah. I think it's Jay Hernandez. I think we call it for Jay and turn to what will truly be a joy for us. And that is finding a place for our dear old friend, Barry Pepper. I had a panic attack because I saw my list and I hadn't filled out Barry Pepper. I was like, oh no! (laughs) No, this one time. The big question is, there's lots of cops in this movie, but there are also like councilmen and water officials and things like that. Like who, where, where does he go? Is it too weird to make him Evelyn's husband? What's his face? Um, Hollis. Hollis Mulray. Is that too weird? Because he is supposed to be his her father's business partner. Mm. That's true. And I, I think he is... I mean, he is, like, younger than... Noah. How old is Mr. Pepper? 53. Only 53? Oh, only 53. Is that rude <laughs> to Barry Pepper? I don't know why I thought he was older. Who else? I mean, who else is? It's like, is it? It's, it's kind of weird if he's one of Jake's sort of uh, investigators, right? Like, <laughs> I do think it's interesting if he as like kind of a character actor is this like we we don't necessarily hear him talk much, but he's such an overwhelming presence because they're like following him. And then even after he's died, like his like it it would be kind of interesting. And I think very specific to have somebody's face that we know be the person that we can think of when they're like Hollis was having an affair he you know like i i do think there is something to that yeah i think this is a pretty good cast just sort of looking at everyone um i would watch the shit out of this movie should we go over it again uh robert pattinson is jake Giddis, elizabeth debecky as evelyn mulray john lithgow as noah cross and jay hernandez as lieutenant detective lou escobar featuring barry pepper as hollis mulray (laughs) 
it's a little I love strange it. throwing Barry Pepper in here. But yeah, no, I, I I would I would watch this cast. I think that would yeah, be really. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I have no notes. I have no trivia. I have no fun facts. Um, I didn't read the script, which apparently is one of the greatest screenplays um, to yeah, have ever I should, been written. I should do that at some point. Let's see if there's anything going on in the trivia that's interesting. I'm trying to think of anything that happened that like, because the, the issue is when we do really good movies, the likelihood that I'm going to have something like all the notes that I have for the movie are like, wow, I really enjoyed that. (laughs) (laughs) I do think something that I find really fascinating, like I probably told this story on a, on the podcast before, but I remember telling like one of my close friends that Footloose was one of my favorite movies. And we watched it one time and she had been working. She had been doing marketing on a like little horror movie with Kevin Bacon in it. And so she had this like very specific view of (gasps) Kevin Bacon. Was it Stir of Echoes? Oh, no. Later. Um, If only. Uh, But it was it was interesting because she was like, you just forget the point at which people like became the stars that they are now and so it's always interesting to me because she was like i look at kevin bacon and footloose and i'm like he's young he's hot he's cool like all of these things make sense for him to be like yeah like let's let this kid do everything and i like of course jack nicholson now is you know he's still very famous he's always on the sidelines at a lakers game but you just forget sometimes like who who these actors were when they were like kind of at their, their peak. And so I think this was a really fun experience and just having that reminder of like, right, like, you know, if I had been my age now, when this movie had come out, I think we would have looked at Jack Nicholson, like we look at an Oscar Isaac now and been like, this guy is the guy. Um, And that's just always fascinating to me. It's not a lot of people who really got to that level of fame Mm-hmm. and celebrity like Jack Nicholson. I mean, he used to be Mr. Oscars, right? Like he used to, when I was a mm-hmm. kid, it was just like, oh, and Jack's arriving and that means the Oscars has started. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's tricky. Here's the thing I just read. This, uh, there's a sequel to Chinatown oh. directed by Jack Nicholson. It was written what? by Robert Town called The Two Jakes. I wonder why Roman Polanski couldn't come back to America to direct hmm. this movie. Hmm. I mean, it's it's crazy because wow. he's he's such a nice, unproblematic person. Like <laughs> I mean, he's still directing. It'd be it's just weird he didn't come I, back. I, that's so strange. What else? What else to say about Chinatown and this movie in general? I mean I'm not going to even ask if this movie should be remade. The answer is no. The reason we did this is to not remake it. Um, This is an interesting note in the script or in the trivia about the script. It says that Cross's mispronunciation of Giddy's last name wasn't in the script. John Huston couldn't get it right. So Roman Polanski had Jack Nicholson add a line to try to correct him. And then they just let it go. Huh. So that was not a choice. <laughs> it's kind of like it's a it's one of those happy accidents where you're kind of it makes it even better that he doesn't. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, I don't know. I I don't want to keep digging on this. There's I don't want to do a lot of work. <laughs> but if you haven't seen Chinatown and you, you we haven't ruined it enough for you, go watch it. It's it's mm-hmm. a very remarkable movie. Um and I think deservedly belonging amongst uh you know, the top 20 or wherever people place it. I thought it was kind of funny when we were talking about like what movie we should do. I was like, "Oh, we'll just do Casablanca." And then I was like, we did do Casablanca. We did and I was Casablanca. like, how the fuck <laughs> did we have the hubris to recast Casablanca and change it into something modern? I don't know. But uh, that's Hollywood for you. That's that's Chinatown, baby. That's Chinatown, baby. All right. With that, uh, thank you so much for joining us this week on Rebooted. Uh, if you like this episode, go check out our past episodes where we actually... Uh, change things and have more fun and more freedom to do some things and if you don't like this podcast then you're probably a movie producer who's been vampiring our ideas for years Um, but tell your friends tell your family, tell your enemies uh, Kenna, where can the people find us? Uh, We are everywhere you can get a podcast, Apple Podcasts Stitcher, you know, whatever crazy places people get their podcasts, I don't know I just use Apple Podcasts, isn't that crazy? Um but yeah, we're also on social media at Rebooted Pod everywhere. Go and find us. I can't guarantee I'm going to post anything, but it's just nice to have. So, yeah. Thanks for joining us on this very weird strike <laughs> episode. Uh, if you didn't like it, then how about you go- call the AMPTP and be like, hey, get these writers working again so these cats can start making a real podcast (laughs) a scripted podcast remaking (laughs) Chinatown Um, yeah uh, hopefully next time we meet we'll be under uh, less uh, you know socially fraught circumstances but I don't know Uh, alright guys we'll see you next time goodbye No, let's get it. Somebody slammed a bedroom window on it. (laughs) Nope. Your wife got excited. She crossed her legs a little too quick. You understand what I mean, pal?